Do you live a purpose-driven life? Do you know what your purpose is? Have you heard about crafting a personal mission statement but thought it kind of a weird idea? In this episode, we are joined by our friend Mark Herlehai. Mark is the Chief Executive Officer of Canada's Children's Hospital Foundation. He found his calling in causes and philanthropy over 20 years ago, and he is known widely for building collaborative and winning team cultures wherever he has the opportunity to lead. Mark is also a trusted advisor for The Intersection. You can read his full bio on our website. I've put the link in the show notes. He is a friend, a kind, open-hearted, authentic leader, and lives in Toronto with his gorgeous dog, Zeus. Please join me in welcoming Mark to The Hub. So today, we have an extra special treat. Um, Our friend Mark Herlehai is going to join us. Mark, are you there? Come on up. I am here. Two of my favorite people. (laughs) I'm so glad you made time for this today. Um, So we're here today to talk about personal mission statements. And I think as long as I've known you both, uh, you've lived very purpose-filled lives. And, you know, I'd like to just ask you to start off, what... What do you think planted the seed for you to develop a personal mission statement? And it's okay to give a shout out to your mother or any strong woman that has influenced your life because you guys turned out to be really great, kind, open-hearted men. And, um, And I'd like to just start by asking you, what is your mission statement? No, let's start with what inspired you to create one? And then we'll share our mission statements and talk about how we crafted them. Does that sound fun? Yeah, for sure. All right. Mark, why don't you go first? Because you're our guest. Well, when you're talking about strong women who inspired us, like I wouldn't know where to start. Like my mother, uh, some of my early board members, uh, Jean Crawford. Do you remember Uh, her? Yeah. Um, Some of these people who... uh, have really influenced me, but uh, and perhaps they influenced me in, in ways that were maybe underpinning. They weren't necessarily about setting a, a vision statement per se, but it was about being driven to do good. Mm-hmm. And um, which often led me to, I think it led me to, to this kind of work. But um, I remember distinctly when I first joined um, the, the industry of fundraising, I was um, 26 years old in Prince Edward Island at a brand new hospital foundation. And I was one employee mm. and we built this thing from the ground up, but I had this awesome board who would send me to conferences and encourage me to network. And I went to this AHP conference association of healthcare philanthropy and the CEO of, um, of AHP globally was uh, a guy by the name of Bill McGinley. I don't know whether you, uh, any of you remember him or not, but this was this was in the 90s, okay? So um, just give me my age. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was having babies then. You're much older than I am, let's just say. Oh, okay, okay, anyway. He was giving us talk at a conference, a national conference, and and he asked in the um, he he asked two questions in the in the room that day. He said, "Who here works for an organization that has an organizational mission?" And of course, everybody's hand went up. And then he goes, "Okay, so now who in the room has a personal mission statement?" 
-hmm. and almost no one's hand went up. And he goes, isn't that ironic? He goes, we have organizations to have mission statements to drive us, to keep us focused, to push us forward, to engage us. Why do we not individually have personal mission statements? Of course, I was 26 and wanted to do everything right and I was soaking everything up. So I went away literally and over the next, I don't know, week or two, I sat down and I thought, what would it be that would drive me, that would reflect the real me, mm -hmm. that would last for a long time mm -hmm. and that would guide me in my career? Because I knew this was a calling at that point. And I thought it's going to make sense for me to have a guiding statement. Mm -hmm. So here's what I came up with. I will be a constant positive influence on everyone I meet. And that had nothing to do with my career, but it had everything to do with how I behaved in my career. Yeah. And that was, that was my starting point for that. And to this day, this is 25 years later, um, there are people like you who know I have that mission statement and people like mentors like Daryl Gregerson and Gene Crawford, who will, who often called that back to me and said, I know you have a mission statement. So that was my story on that. Neat. Well, you inspired my mission statement. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, because if I, it's pay it forward, right? I was at an AFP Congress conference and in Toronto, and I didn't know you then. But in that session, you shared your mission statement. Oh. And then as a follow-up, I attended a session by a wonderful woman named Rosetta Thurman, I think that's her name. I now I need to correct myself later in the notes. If I got it wrong, I have to look her up. But she did a workshop on creating your personal mission statement and she walked us through a process. So you planted the seed, Rosetta walked through the process and I ended up with, uh, when I die, I want my children to think of me as a hero that had a positive impact on the planet. That's so good. And I go back to that, it, you know, what will my kids think of this when I'm gone? And it just anchors me. Paul? Well, 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 what year was that AFP Congress? Uh, I don't know. Like, it was, like, I, we were just babies. Mark was yeah. speaking. So, so uh, same year, 23 years ago, uh, my first Congress, uh, 2000. And uh, I had just finished three years of, of floating and some really challenging times where I had a good job, but I had no purpose. And at the time, whew, my mother even said to me, man, I wish you would do drugs. So you get up in the morning and have some motivation, you know, get up and steal car stereos and be productive. You're useless. Uh, and I had just I just flunked out of university and I got a good job in advertising and marketing, but no purpose. Mm -hmm. And then I fell into fundraising like so many people. I don't know why our profession is always like an open manhole cover, but I, I fell in there and I got connected in my particular case to plan giving as a strategy. But then I went to Congress and I met a several hundred incredible strong women who were around me. But it was very clear after the experience of that week. And, you know, back then in the early 2000s, man, it was quite a rambunctious affair. They bust us out to Church Street and there was drag queens in a charity what? casino. Wait, that was Toronto? That usually just that happens was, in Europe. That was AFP Toronto. And I have a couple of very embarrassing pictures in boas with drag queens that I keep. Oh, we need one to day, publish those pictures, Paul. One day Paul. they'll come out. Not quite yet. But, uh, but... They, I got out from that and I almost had a breakdown. I was on University Avenue. It was November. It was the first snowfall of the year. And I had this emotional piece to say, I found a home. I found a profession. 
And I got into a phone booth and I pulled out some scrap paper from the kit. And in that phone booth, I wrote my, at the time, 300 word mission statement about fundraising and who I wanted to be. And every year I run my own strategic planning retreat of Paul Nazareth Inc. I go away for just 24 hours in the winter to whiteboard it all out and I distill it and distill it and distill it. So now after 20 years, I've got it down from a whole page to a statement that every person has purpose. Mm -hmm. I wanna be involved in helping people find their superpowers and living that purpose. And if people know me, I, I hope that, you know, is the same thing they see from the statement and who I am. Same thing with Mark. I would definitely say every interaction Mark adds value. Yeah. You can live that. Boy, oh boy, it is wonderful now to have it and then live it. Yeah. But it changed my life to have it. Mark? Having purpose is such a great insight. It is about purpose. Mm -hmm. Um I was watching, um, the, I don't know if you've been watching the master classes, Oprah's product master classes. Yeah, yeah really. Uh, Anna Wintour and uh, Frank Gehry. You know what's in common with all those people? They talk about knowing who you are. Yeah. True to that. Whew. Anna Wintour and Frank Gehry. There's a couple really interesting. Well, we have to look, we have to look those, up, those folks up and put them in the show notes. Yeah. What, what drives to it, I, you know, iconic? Those two are, you think right. about uh, Anna and the direction that she's created in the world, the clarity she's created. And then Gary, the dude creates things that he draws on napkins. How much confidence you got to have for that, right? <laughs> so I, but I think there's a distilling element there. And again, you know, Mark, you've mentored a lot of people over the years and helped them, I think, too, to create not just mission statements, but to find that clarity, that focus, that distilling element. You know, could you say more about your relationship with this mission statement over the years? Well, I think it was, a, to be clear, when I say I'm going to be a constant positive influence everywhere I meet, have I lived that 100% of the time? Oh, no. There have been some embarrassing moments, right? <laughs> Haven't we all? But um, I think it's about the guiding factor about it. Mm -hmm. And also during times when you are uncertain because who's mm -hmm. not uncertain by times mm -hmm. it helps you can i say brave the butterflies because mm -hmm. because you need to go through difficult times and if you know who you are and you you stay true to that like it it helps you through a lot of a lot of strange times and and right now has there ever been a bet, a more important time to know who you are and what you're driving at personally in your absolutely. life absolutely Absolutely. I think of it as an anchor. It whenever I'm not quite sure which direction I should head in going back to that as an anchor um, really helps me center myself and go, okay, yeah, this is who I am. This is what I want my kids to say when I'm gone. And so this is the path that I'm going to head into. Um, Paul, how has yours helped you frame your life going forward? How interesting that the three of us, our golden thread in our statements is service. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, but a pillar of this good. podcast for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's helped me just like Marcus said, when you fall back sometimes on those challenging times to help you get back into the resonance, the frequency of power. Uh, I'm a Gen X, right? So I speak the language of movies. I can't help it. Uh, and so, you know, when I think of that piece, I think of this as a terrible movie, uh, the Justice League, uh, and the Flash is a guy that says, look, my superpower is running fast. How do I save all these people? And Batman looks at him and says, just save one. 
and you'll know what to do next. And for, for me, with those really weird times in my, in my life, I say, go back to service. Go and help somebody. Walk with a job seeker. I spent a lot of time walking with our colleagues in fundraising. I'll get fired every 20 minutes uh, and help people walk with them through that. We don't have to be prescriptive and all that stuff. Just walk with people. Okay. And if you go back to service, I think there's incredible power there. And it always helps reground me mm-hmm. in what it is I want to be doing. Well, actually, sorry, that's my computer dinging. I didn't turn off notifications. Uh, so that just makes me think of the entire strategic planning process that we go through with organizations to help them underpin their values and their beliefs and their purpose. Um, the idea that we do it ourselves, I have to, this is the process I just went through with the intersection and asking myself, what do I really believe? And then how do I do more of that? And when we can do that for ourselves, everything seems so much easier, you know? So I've said, I've said in a ton of audiences when, when Mark is speaking, and I would go to a session if he was speaking about potato salad. But when I think about being in those audiences and what I got from that, one of them, Mark, was about how you help organizations, even individual fundraisers, cut through the noise. And I think maybe this is about the gravity of that of that concept of a mission statement. As Kimberly said, the anchor. How do you get people back to that kernel of their why? Uh, and you've done that in your role in a lot of different ways. Could you share kind of how how some of those things kind of come together and why why you think that way? Why you see it's such a value? Well, you know, I think we spend a lot of time in our sector making things complicated. And uh, I actually don't know who is the original person who quoted this, but I know Steve Jobs said something like this, and there were different business leaders said it. It's easy to be complicated. It takes effort to be simple. And so I have always found that um, uh, taking the time to simplify issues, it doesn't mean everything's simple, but it means that we simplify the issues, know who, what our priorities are, stay focused on the mission. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it is, uh, I think, about focus mm-hmm. and not trying to do everything, mm-hmm. trying to do what really matters. And um, people say to me all the time, yeah, but there's so many important things. And I go, well, um, have you tried maybe <laughs> doing the essential things and maybe not necessarily the, if if it's a priority, if it's a case of priorities, maybe you need to focus on the essential, not doing everything, even though some things are important. Yeah. Interesting. Again, cutting through that noise, it's really hard for leaders. Yeah. There's so much noise again of board and, I did also think about how much time our organization spent on the mission, vision, values exercise, and how everybody wants to tinker with these things. Again, for a lot of us, for our, our colleagues who are in fundraising, who again, who lead that lonely life. A lot of times the fundraiser is the sole person out there on the road working with donors and partners and things. I also believe that, that, our, that we have to have our own version of the mission statement for ourselves. It's got to live with us. Again, for me, I've distilled it in that world of planned giving to be that every Canadian has a legacy, right? And, and again, for a lot of us in that traditional AFP world that every donor has something to express, whatever the monetary value, a hundred bucks to a hundred million. 
And I think that also helps people stay focused on uh, on how they deliver the value they're trying to bring. Mm -hmm. So when we think about helping other people live with purpose, um, what steps do you think they can go through to draft their own mission statement? Because I would really love as a result of this podcast to hear back from some of the folks who listened and, and find out what their mission statements were. Um, what tactics can they go through, do you think, to start to figure that out? I think first create quiet space somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, Mark mentioned know thyself. And I think that some of the, you know, there's a lot of great assessment tools out there. I'm a big fan of Strength Finder. Uh, but we also have some great fundraising coaches who help people do this, right? The Janice Cunnings of the world and Leah Eustace has a great uh, uh, mission statement writing piece. Jenny Mitchell has one too. So there's a lot of people they can reach out to, but, but I would say get help. Start using some of these frameworks. How do you help people do this, Mark? Well, you, you, I agree with that completely. And, and uh, Kimberly said about quiet space. <clears throat> For me, it's about making time to think. Um, in the respect of think time, uh, the pandemic has disrupted, it's crushed, it's made some really difficult times for people. There's something good that came out of it for me, and that's I stopped commuting an hour each way to work, and I decided to uh, ditch the commute and turn that two hours of drive time every day into two hours of walk time with my dog, Zeus. And that has kept me um, able to think through the priorities to um, uh, uh, reflect. Because um, I find a lot of people right now saying, I don't have time to do anything. Well, I think we kind of, as leaders, have to make time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nature abhors a vacuum and work will always fill the space if you give it space. Mm -hmm. uh, although, you know, Mark, I know, too, that behind the scenes, you've been really involved in some big missions, some gigantic charities, helping them cut through the noise at busy times, in times of flux. Uh, again, we have a lot of organizations right now at, a, at very pivotal moments in their history, some facing bankruptcy and real challenges. You know, what would, advice would you give to leaders who often struggle with making that time? And I know you've coached some really big organizations and CEOs through this. And they they got to push back. How do you help them to make that time? Well, uh, the reason why I mentioned the drive time to walk time is because I wonder all these people because most people are not commuting now. So so what did people do with that extra time? So um, it was an easy one for me to say. Okay, that time was gone, and I listened to CBC podcasts or whatever, and now I do the walk time. And, and um, uh, it is, but primarily it's think time. And if I feel like a podcast, like lately I've been having, um, uh, Barack Obama has been reading his book to me in those, on, the, on those walks, because um, I decided to do it that way. It's a big book, right? So it's like <laughs> the insights he has to offer. Um, so I, I think it's about, uh, um, I'll tell you another thing, is turn off the news, yeah. And turn on the think time yeah. because there's a value exchange that will make you better, 
help you think more positively. If, you know, the yeah. news just drags us down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I saw an ad. I haven't seen it yet, but I saw a tiny little teaser for Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama, and their podcast. Yeah, hey, Paul, they might come on our podcast one day too. Well, the Bruce Springsteen of charity <laughs> is Dan Pilato. Okay, uh, so 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 so, but this is what they said that they were talking to each other, and they both felt they they didn't feel whole. So then they started having conversations with each other, like Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama feel an emptiness inside of them, wow. and so that that's a really interesting conversation to me that just, you know, they started talking about how do we as people feel whole and help each other get to that place so that we can help the world feel whole again. And that's, I guess, part of what hanging out with people like you guys uh, does for me. And, um, and that's a little bit of what I hope that we can do here at the hub. So I, I just want to thank you both for your um, insights. And uh, before we go, Mark, I have to ask you about that artwork behind you. If you could just tell oh, us goodness. what is that about? So I've lived in three places in my life, Prince Edward Island, Barcelona, Toronto. And I have a friend, Steve Anderson, who uh, has been an emerging artist. And I got talking to him a couple of years ago. And I said, uh, Stephen, I want I noticed that when you uh, paint, you tell a story, even though it's abstract. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, I said, I want you to paint my life in Barcelona, Toronto, and PEI. And so that is my life in three places where I've lived. So, I love that. Wow. wow. The commissioning of art. There's an interesting Yeah, get out of the way so we can look at that. Yeah. I love that we're talking about a piece of art on a podcast, but. He's going to walk us through it. He's going to walk us through it. Okay. My mother petting a horse, uh -huh. my dog jumping out of a river, like there's, uh, like there's a Santa Catarina market in Barcelona. Like there's so much in that. Anyway, oh. another day. There's, there's, a, there's a mission statement thing in there too. <laughs> well, that's what drove it. Collage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, okay, quick fire round. Oh, no, we covered it. Uh, one thing, the things that people can do, actionable items for them to create their own mission statement is, I heard, make the time, find some quiet, turn off the news, access coaching resources. And then once folks do that, I want them to come back and tell us how they did. That would be great. Be alone, but don't do it alone. Thank you guys for showing up today. It's been a lot of fun chatting with you both. A lot of fun. <laughs> well, Paul was right. That was another great conversation. We're so grateful that you spent your time here with us today. Remember, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you usually listen to your podcasts. If you want to see the beautiful piece of uh, art that we were talking about, you can watch the video of this po podcast on our YouTube channel. And we hope that you join the conversation by taking some time to write your mission statement and then maybe record it and send it to us and we can share it. That would be incredible. So you can reach me at intersectionhub.ca. I am Kimberly and I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you. See you next time.